0: Four six. The The experts on oh, The one Yeah, you know six. Oh, the four six. The The Hello.
1: This is is The the Experts. experts. (laughs) I'm Aggie Hewitt. And I'm Irene Marquette. And this is a show where we become experts in things that we are interested in. Yes, and
0: you join us on the journey of us becoming experts. Yes. And we are knee deep in our first series. Anna Nicole Smith. Yes. If you are just joining us, we uh, read the book um, what was Great that book Big called?
1: Beautiful Doll. Great Big Beautiful Doll, which was a two-star review, <laughs> a generous two-star. Very
0: generous. And then we watched uh, episodes of The Anna Nicole Show, Yeah. kind of covered that middle part, the reality television. Uh, her, her second act, I guess. Her second act. And now we are in the third act. We read a book, this week called "Blind Ambition. By a journalist named Rita Crosby. Rita Crosby. Um, I'm sorry, Rita
1: Cosby. Thank you. Uh, about Anna Nicole Smith's death and final months in the Bahamas. It covers the death of her son, Daniel, her death, and the... The paternity suit that, that followed. Uh, it was kind of a gut-wrenching book I thought.
0: I agree. It came out in September of 2007. Yeah. She died in February,
1: so right after.
0: Yes. Okay. She really like zipped to get it done and she Well, she'd, she'd was... been
1: covering it and yeah, she was she talks about in the book that she was the first person to break the death on TV. Yes. Yeah.
0: What do you think about that? I mean, I guess that like, obviously, that's credibility for her. Like, why? Why you, Rita? Why are you telling this story? I
1: think sometimes stuff like that probably happens for journalists where you cover one thing that leads to something else. And then the next thing you know, you sort of have like, all these resources and all of these connections who tell you things. And um, let's, you know, sources who some are would like, call them sources. Some would call them sources. I would call them resources and things, but it's the same idea. I would call them spy friends. Spy. <laughs> yeah. 1-800-I-SPY-FOR-MONEY <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> That's an inside joke from the book Blonde Ambition by Rita Cosby. Uh,
0: I feel like she does a lot of preemptive, um, either like, uh, this is my credibility. This is yeah. why like I should be doing this. Or... Um, She, uh, she'll be like, I know that I, uh, I know that I suggested this or I know that I was talking to this person, but here's why she's like, she's really trying to cover her bases.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's obviously like deep in the mix. She is. And everybody involved is such a, like an animal, an animal. Yes. I mean, They, it is such an ugly story. It is is really, really gross. And at the center of it is just this woman and her poor son and poor daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, okay. So the book starts. It starts in action. Anna Nicole's last 24 hours. The
0: Like the moments leading up to the discovery of her bond. So there's the hotel room, the Hard Rock Hotel. Yeah,
1: In Hollywood, Florida. Hollywood, Florida. I guess she had just bought a yacht and she and Howard K. Stern were in Florida to pick it up.
0: It's like cut back and forth between her and the hotel room with like the two nurses who are just like, Going on the internet and doing whatever. Howard K. Stern going to this boat to check out this boat that they've purchased. And the women discovering that Anna, who they've been told is sick and sleeping, is actually naked and not breathing in the bed.
1: Then there's this whole commotion over at the boat where they don't call 911 nobody calls 911 for a really long time the nurses are doing cpr and they're try- they're like screaming and f- screaming at her and trying to get her to to wake up
0: yeah and they also say that the hard rock hotel does not have you're not allowed to call 911 from the room you have to call downstairs and they send emergency services up to the room yeah
1: which apparently happened like immediately as soon as they called downstairs right
0: yeah but they were for so calling their husbands yeah who were consulting with Howard K Stern yeah and everybody was like everyone was dragging their heels
1: my first impulse would definitely be call 911 someone's going to call 911 while one of us does CPR i mean before anyone's husband is getting called or whatever like I would think you would call an ambulance. Yeah. So it's that, that's already kind of strange. And then in this book, it is presented as really strange that Howard K. Stern didn't immediately call 911, but he wasn't there. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I definitely am not a a Howard K. Stern fan or a stan, but I, I understand why you might get a phone call, this person's really sick, something crazy is happening at the hotel, and just think, okay, I'm just going to come back to the hotel and not immediately call 911.
0: I would believe that uh, if the evidence that was presented at the end of the book had not been presented, which especially like if you know Anna Nicole and like she's – I mean the amount of drugs that she's on is totally – crazy totally insane they said that like the uh, she had 13 or 21 prescriptions or something
1: yeah that she was getting from i think multiple doctors under
0: different names they were coming to howard k stern there was a doctor based it like in los angeles that was prescribing her methadone while she was pregnant yeah oh my god it's just horrific and they were saying that like the the dose for soma per day is like Five thousand milligrams or something, mm-hmm. and she was taking fifty thousand. Oh
1: my god, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I there's a scene towards the end of the book where she's in the hospital. Where it's Larry Burkhead's testimony about being in the hospital with her and Howard K. Stern, and he and she is demanding like increasingly high levels of methadone.
0: And she was there to detox, right? Because she was pregnant. She they were she, trying to wean her off the prescription drugs. Yeah. And they had her on like a th- the the, the th- thing, thing you the p- click
1: the button you push to administer more. Yeah, and she was like screaming for more, and he would, you know, I guess Larry would say no, and then Howard would go into this bag he would always have with him—the
0: infamous duffel bag—the duffel
1: bag that was just full of prescriptions and sneak her pills behind, you know, when the nurses weren't looking and the doctors weren't there.
0: Not to like jump to the big, what I thought was one of the biggest bombshells in the book. I thought that it was heavily insinuated that Howard K. Stern knew that she was dead hours before he even left the house
1: it, or the, the hotel. It's implied. It is implied because, I mean, his behavior is so strange. He starts... um by concocting this reason to get out of the house or to get out of the hotel room early, an hour earlier than he actually has to leave, mm-hmm. he brings these other people to the hotel and sort of leaves them to make the gruesome discovery so he doesn't have to do it.
0: And he makes a big show of like shouting, like, Anna, yeah, like we're here. We have company, we've Anna. Got, yeah,
1: we've got company, when Anna. When they're saying you know, everyone's supposed to be whispering because she's supposed to be asleep.
0: Yeah, and, like, one of the women yells at him, like, don't wake her up. And he yeah. pos- they describe him positioning himself, like, between the doors and the people and yeah, making a hasty exit. And everybody who saw him from that point on said that he was kind of, like, acting, like, jittery and nervous.
1: And, yeah, and one of the strangest things is at one point... This group came back to the hotel, and they immediately saw Howard K. Stern in the lobby getting off the elevator. They were all standing there, and he said that he was coming down to use his cell phone. Because
0: he didn't have service up in the room.
1: Which it was not true. He did have service in the room, and he'd been using his phone all day. And
0: they observed him making, like, three calls as soon as he even got in the room. Yeah. Because he kept calling the trim
1: spa. Trim spa guy. I mean, it's just weird. It's just really weird. It's
0: extremely weird, and I he he makes me really uncomfortable
1: he does things in this book that are sneaky and shifty and gross
0: and like evil like there's some things that are just I, i i don't know if it's fucked up for me to say that someone is evil but the way that she presents him and uh writes about him that like one of the one of the scenes that really stuck with me was after okay, so Anna Nicole uh, has her daughter, yeah, she gives birth to the daughter, and the daughter doesn't have a name, yeah, it's three days after she's born because she wants to wait until Daniel arrives before she names the baby, yeah. And he comes to visit her, and there's also, uh, he goes to Toluca Lake and meets with a private investigator before he goes to the Bahamas, and says yes. that he's, like, scared of Howard K. Stern, yeah. and that, like, he keeps his mother on drugs, and that when he was around him, that Howard would, like, give him drugs, and...
1: And that he's isolating her and controlling her, and that he's, like, terrified of Howard K. Stern. Um, and he wanted to hire the private detective, but, um, the private detective said, okay, but the thing is, you know, you're going to have to fly me to the Bahamas, pay my hourly rate plus travel, hotel, food, got a car, you know, for as long as I need to be there, it's going to be really, really expensive. And he just couldn't do it. So
0: her son, uh, comes, comes to visit, sees the baby. They have this happy reunion Yeah, and Uh, there's, he he goes to sleep in her bed. Yes. In the hospital bed. Yes. And she wakes up and he's dead.
1: Yeah. And. It makes no sense. It
0: makes no sense. Yeah. And she's obviously extremely distraught and is like, it's, it was really hard to read about- it was
1: it was definitely, like, one of the harder parts to read in the books. She's incredibly distraught. She doesn't know what happened. All of a sudden, he's just not breathing. And um, they um, are basically unable to get her to let go of him, let go of his body to um, bring it to the morgue. And she eventually needs to be sedated just to get her away from him. And to get her out of the hospital.
0: And before they can sedate her, Howard K. Stern takes pictures. Yeah. And that is the thing that whatever her, however Rita Cosby has written him, like whatever he did or he didn't do, the impulse to document a moment like that is... It's just so dark.
1: It's so dark. It's so sick. And later he said that Anna believed that um, he was gonna come back to life like a prince. Oh he said god. that he was. Oh my was, god! I
0: forgot that. I blocked that. That's, oh, that's
1: so horrible. It's so insane. Oh my it's like, god. and this is like after she's dead that he's saying that. He said that she. It was beautiful because it was the last family portrait which is gruesome and horrible. And he sold some anonymous person that isn't identified in the book, sold sold some of these pictures. I mean, not that picture, although you can find that picture on the internet. Did you see it? I did. You did? Yeah. I Googled it.
0: At, after you read it? Yeah. And you found it? I did. How do you feel? Bad.
1: Bad. I felt bad. I thought, oh fuck, I should not have done that one. And I'm one of those people who will Google like ever, like, I look at like crime scene photos and stuff. I just do. I'm insane. Um,
0: You're not insane. I don't, I, uh, I, it, it bothers me.
1: It should, it's horrible. <laughs> it, this was like one of the worst things I've ever seen. And I've seen like everything. It just like the, it's just, it's bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, don't Google it unless, you know. People are going to Google it. Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, I immediately Googled it the second I learned that it was out. I was like, that must be on the internet. And because she describes it, she's like, I've seen one of them and she describes what it looks like. She does. And it looks exactly the way she describes it.
0: Um... I was uh, talking to somebody about that movie Star Eighty. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Oh, it's a, it's a really it's an it's an excellent movie and it's a really hard movie and it's very disturbing. It's about like the rape and murder of a Playboy playmate named Christy Stratton. Okay. And it's by Bob Fosse. Oh, really? Yeah. It's it's really good. Okay. Uh, but. Um, I was asking recently, like, how well do you have to know somebody before you recommend that? Uh-huh. And uh, our friend Katie uh-huh. said, I recommend it to everybody, but uh-huh. tell them to stop watching before the last 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I told that to the person that I wanted to recommend it to. Uh-huh. And she was like, have you seen the last 10 minutes? And I was like, yeah, of course I've seen the last 10 minutes. Uh-huh. because I can't, like, stop at something like that because my imagination will kick into gear and it'll be so much scarier. Yeah. That doesn't extend to like real life photos. Oh,
1: I mean, I feel like if you're, if you're taking in a piece of art, you got to take it in. You got to take it. You got to go on the journey. You got to take it as it's being served to you.
0: Because it's not real.
1: It's not real. And even if it's a documentary, you don't have to watch the whole thing, but I feel like it's been constructed and there's a person trying to tell you a story. This was just me in the wild being like, I got to know because I'm fucking crazy. And that's just like, a like, that's just something I have. I have to see it. I just like, I have to see this shit when it's out, when I know it's out there. Cause.
0: What do you think it, that like, that it satisfies to see it?
1: Um, I guess, you know, it's almost similar to what you're talking about. The last 10 minutes of a scary movie, like something you might not want to see if I'm reading about it I'm reading a detailed description of it when I read it or when I hear it it becomes less true because it's been communicated to me and I'm not seeing it in its purest form and I think I want to know what this is in reality I want to know like in the most objective way possible what we are talking about here so that I can have my own opinion about it.
0: You're an anthropologist.
1: You've called me an anthropologist before. I have.
0: Yeah,
1: it's because I'm an anthropologist. I'm a professional anthropologist. (laughs) So I Google crime scene pictures and pictures of uh, Anna Cole Smith cradling her dead son taken by Howard Stern.
0: Can I tell you one more anecdote before I dig back into Anna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, when I was a child, Mm. I was a precocious reader. Yeah? To this... Obviously, it hasn't translated into my adulthood as proof of blonde ambition, <laughs> <laughs> adult story. But uh, I remember going to, I was like, I don't know, nine, eight or nine years old. And uh, down the street from my house, there was um, like a yard sale and they had all these stripped books, yeah. you know, like uh, paperbacks yeah. with the covers off. And I found one that was called The Violet Closet. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I like Violet. Like, that sounds like it's fun for kids. Sure. So it was a, like, hardcore crime novel about um, everything bad. It
1: sounds like it would be about bad stuff. It
0: was about, really, honest to God, whatever bad thing you're imagining right now, it was about that. Okay. And I was, like, a little kid. Yeah. And I... I was like Catholic school, very sheltered. Oh, my God. And I knew that it was bad what I was reading, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't stop reading it. Really? Because I felt like... I don't know, this maybe there's like a Catholic thing. Like I was already like doomed, like I'd already committed the sin. Interesting.
1: You'd already started, so yeah. you had you might as well just finish might it. Might as well
0: see it to the end. Yeah. And I had to, I felt like I would be in trouble if it was discovered that I had that I was reading this book. And even though like it did get worse and worse, and it was, I feel like I traumatized myself in a way. Yeah. Do you mind that we're talking about this? No. And uh I I had to finish it and it became really obsessive and I couldn't
1: talk about it with anybody. Cause it was like your dark secret. It was
0: my dark little secret. And I can remember this to this day, what the book is about. Um, and when it was done, when I finished it, I tore up the book page oh by page in the trash can. I love that story.
1: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Good. I, what a great end for a book like that. Like I don't believe in burning books. <laughs> But I mean, for a little girl to find it and to read it, be horrified and just destroy it. And it's like now in her is like that. What more could you want if you if you're like, I'm going to write like a really graphic hor- crime novel. What other what else would you want to happen to it?
0: <laughs> I hope that the, whatever fucking pervert out there wrote the Violet Closet. Yeah. Which was not not <laughs> NSFC, not safe for any child. <laughs> I hope that he hears this and he knows that I ripped it up. I hope he hears page. it and smiles. I hope so too. Actually, Laura I hope cries. it was written by a woman Me and I too. hope it was like a cathartic experience. For I hope her. it was
1: written by a woman who did the exact same thing before. And then like, now you're going to write a book like that. That's and then it's like win. this chain continues.
0: <laughs> that is beautiful. Thank you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> uh,
0: um, okay. So uh, not, to go back to Howard Kay, I felt like that the, the act of photographing moments and setting them up to be sold was a like just such an ingrained pattern of behavior.
1: Yeah, and it kept I mean, popping up
0: over and over and over again. I
1: mean, this is like a theme that comes up a lot. And it also comes up with Larry Burkhead um, talking about I mean, this is jumping ahead by a lot, but he talks about worries when he about getting his kid from Howard K Stern thinking as soon as he um as soon as he gives me the baby he's gonna take the picture and then he's gonna get a million dollars but that's my million dollars I mean like these men are thinking about this consistently
0: yeah he won't uh that's why he wouldn't it's not that he wouldn't go to her few fut- he wouldn't It it was something about her funeral, like being having someone in between him and Howard so that Howard wouldn't push the baby on him
1: for a photo. Yeah. And then it
0: would be photographed. And then because Howard was controlling the funeral, he could sell the photo. It's like those
1: kinds of like messed up moves that everyone's making. And it's like Howard would have done it. Yeah. Like Totally. It's like, are they messed it's up like, moves? Game, like the dumbest Game of Thrones. It's the most disgusting Game of Thrones, and it's horrible. But like, Ugh. is everybody playing this weird game, or is there just one asshole who is so fucking crazy that everyone's like, stay away from him? You're talking about Howard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean- it's, like, a situation where everybody kind of seems crazy, but he's obviously, like, he's controlling this whole thing. Like, whatever happened with Anna Nicole Smith was, like, a project, a multi-year project that he was working on for, like, probably, like, 10 years.
0: Yeah. Well, they say he he got – he he passed the bar in 94. Yeah. And then he met her in 96. Yeah. And then she became his only client. Yeah. And he ran her, like, production company –
1: Big juicy lips or whatever.
0: Big smoochy lips? Smoochy lips. And And it ended up getting seized by the IRS because he never... He owed
1: $30,000 in taxes, which is... I don't know how that happened because he also never took a salary.
0: Yeah. It's like, I don't know how you could say that he never took a salary when she paid his rent and... All like all, he, she paid all of his expenses. She sent spent uh, sent money to his parents, and then he was writing himself fifteen thousand dollar checks every and two weeks and signing her
1: name. Yeah, because that was the scam he was running. He never got a paycheck, but he just she just gave him a bunch of money. But it wasn't like it was like gifts or something. I mean, like you can't accept gifts. You cannot legally accept gifts that of that monetary value and not pay taxes on it. Like the most I think someone can give you in a year is $10,000 without you having to pay taxes on it. So he obviously, I guess that's why he owed $30,000. I don't really know. But like, obviously he's just like, it's, it was shady as fuck and not legal. And I think he was just like robbing her blind. Yes. Yeah.
0: And just keeping her incapacitated.
1: Yeah. And I think like also towards the end of the book, I think it was the ship captain, Was saying how nobody could tell Anna what to do and don't think that she was manipulated because you couldn't control her. But, I mean, she had a severe weakness, which was addiction. And I think if you know how to manipulate someone's addiction, you can control them.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that she was particularly savvy either i mean they just dis- like in the other book that we read she thought that california was in new york like yeah. she had such a and i mean obviously that's like at the beginning of this life that she had but Yeah, she she's just like at such a severe disadvantage in every way and it's not like she was surrounded by people who were interested in empowering her fucking at all
1: no not at all Um, one thing that really horrified me, sorry, I don't know. I'm jumping around a little bit. No, that's,
0: I mean, that's the only way to talk about it. It is like, like you said, it's so chaotic right from the beginning, the whole story. It's like hard to hold on to the threads of any of it.
1: I mean, it's just like downloading a bunch of information into your brain of like all, like there was no... It's the type of book where you know, okay, the first, like, 100 pages are going to be interesting, and then there's going to be, like, 150 pages of essentially filler, maybe some photos, and then at the end, like, she's going to, like, think about what she said or something. Like, because I read books like this a lot. (laughs) But it never never let up. It was just fact- Fact, fact, I mean, was, I think yeah. facts are presented as facts. Inform There was a lot of information.
0: There was. She, she clearly very passionate about the subject. Yeah. Um, I think it's so funny to see this and the other book that we read, where there's like transcriptions of television. shows. Oh, like
1: I mean, truly half the book and the other one was just like transcription. Well, this one has transcriptions too. Yeah, is what saying? yeah. Yeah,
0: it's like uh, Larry King.
1: Larry King was. The comic relief, I would say, of the book.
0: (laughs) The amount of times these people are going on Larry King was hilarious to me.
1: They're all on Larry King, and Larry King doesn't seem to know what the fuck is going on. No, which he never does. No, which is the charm of Larry King. And
0: yet he continues to have children.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, he's building an empire.
0: (laughs) I was thinking, like, it is good. On one hand, it's good that Twitter exists now because, like, this whole thing would have played out in such a different way if media had been more immediate, like...
1: Well, okay, go on. Don't you think? I don't know because I also think that if this were all playing out right now, I think all of these people would be using... I think they would be very good at using social media. I think they would use it quite a bit. I think Howard K. Stern would use it really well. Yeah. And maybe control Anna's Instagram and maybe, you know, use that to like help manipulate and put out some false information about certain people that he's enemies with. Some pictures of Mary Magdalene oh dear god you know you're talking about britney <laughs> <laughs> britney tweeted or instagrammed a picture of mary magdalene today that i sent I yeah. dm'd her.
0: whenever this is released we've dated the episode now you know Now you know when we did it yeah um yeah i guess you're right i just think like uh, but i think that there is something about like the constant stream of information that diffuses things like this like think of all of like I mean, think about, like, the scandals that have unfolded in the last year. Think about, like, R. Kelly and how, and, like, everything that happened and how he was able to um, maintain, in quotes, Mm -hmm. his, like, social media presence in, in whatever way. I don't know why he's the example that jumped to mind, except that, like, he, I feel like he has kept his compound on some kind of, like, lockdown with that like do you know what I mean?
1: Like he hasn't shown publicly that he's like affected by his scandal.
0: Yeah. I mean, well now he's he's in like a different legal space. Yeah. But at least up until like a
1: year ago. That documentary series yeah. came out
0: about surviving R. Kelly yeah. came out. Like I I I don't know if that if that is it, this was just like such a huge scandal and the way that they were using larry king live scarborough country. i mean
1: amazing the scarborough country yes yeah, bill o'reilly bill gets O'Reilly a mention team. i mean they're he's all in, the in there and it's all yeah it's like fox news people well it's i don't all... know what scarborough country is he's msnbc
0: i mean this is like catnip to those fox news people because yeah. it's a fallen woman yeah and it's like they uh, hate
1: her and then there's like her, lawyers involved that's something fun you can always be like but what are these men doing yes. with their money they
0: get to have their big old boners about whatever babe is there
1: there's a babe there's millions of dollars allegedly probably closer to zero (laughs) (laughs) um yeah um one thing that upset me very much about this was that In the last book we read, it was all about this J. Howard Marshall, whatever his name is, family suing Anna Nicole Smith. And they have all these stories about her sitting him down in a wheelchair and being like, I'm going to show you my tits if you sign your will and all of this crazy shit. And in this book, Howard K. Stern They have him literally giving her drugs, putting piles of documents in front of her to sign, like unaware of what she's doing. And he's like completely stealing not only her fortune, her life, her child that is not claiming paternity on her child. I mean, he is taking over her entire and cutting her ties with her with her friends and family.
0: He was acting like a cult leader.
1: I thought the same exact thing, Irene. I thought this guy, you know when I thought that when at the end of the book, towards the end, there's this part where Larry he's trying to make a deal with Larry Burkhead, who I always want to call Larry Brickhead. <laughs> I just want to call him that so bad, but I can't. I know that's not his name. It wants to come out. Okay, what if Cato Kalin played him? I mean, that would be such a good role for Kato. It would be. And he could do a really good job. You would
0: need a time machine to get them, like, aged right,
1: but... I mean, because I feel like, are they, like, exactly the same age?
0: I think that Larry's younger. He strikes me as younger. I don't know.
1: I don't... I mean, I think he's had an easier life. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. So, yeah. Towards the end of the book, um, they're trying to strike this deal and um, Howard K. Stern offers Larry Burkhead his child back and control over, like, the business in California or something as long as he gets to – he retains the rights to control, like, Anna Nicole Smith's image and, like, legacy or whatever. And um, he's trying to, like, create this thing where – and then, and then Howard K. Stern is going to pay Larry's rent. He's going to pay him all this money over the course of like however many years. Like he's going to be like on this payroll for him to sort of keep this whole thing going. Even though Anna Nicole Smith is dead, he still wants to uses he still wants to use her as an image, um, as an icon, as a brand, as a source to make money. I mean, he's still trying to, and he's trying to turn her literal life her her the father of her child her baby, her mother into like cogs in this machine that he's creating. And he's, she's already dead and he's still trying to keep it going. Yeah. That was when I was like, oh, he's a, I actually, in the book, I made a note and I was like, he's a witch. Like he's crazy. <laughs> like he's really trying to, but I, it was, it's culty.
0: It really is very culty. And I ju- he, I just don't think that he had anything else.
1: I mean, who does? No one has anything. I mean, he was a young, he had only been out of law school for two years. Yeah.
0: I also wondered if there was something, because she was so, I imagine her being like extremely impulsive and yeah, I I don't know how exactly the two of them met, but I, I wondered if like the Howard connection resonated with her in some way.
1: Uh, what do you mean? That
0: like his name was Howard and her ex-husband's name.
1: I mean, it resonated with me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, why are all these guys named Howard? Like, you know, kind of controlling her. And she definitely had like unresolved. I hate this term, but we, I have to use it. Daddy issues.
0: Yeah. There are some really sad details that come up in the book and her relationship with her mom is so sad.
1: Her relationship with her mom is really sad and her – like her calling the that couple mommy and daddy that are like – I don't think – I think they're like her age or yeah. around her age. They're not – and she barely knows them.
0: Yeah. And she's like, you're my real mommy now. Yeah.
1: And she's literally talking – it's like if I said it to you except for I know you better – then she knew her yeah yeah and i'd be like please don't call me that and i'd be like oh my god i'm so sorry and like <laughs> <laughs> it would be so embarrassing
0: i uh i did pick up on a theme of naming when i was reading this and i want to like run this by you sure. i don't have a theory just yet but i do have some observations okay um Her mother in the book says that she intended to name her Kathleen K. Do you remember this? Um, She said that when she was in the hospital having Anna, she wanted to name her and she like passed out or something. And when she woke up, her mother had named the baby Vicky Lynn.
1: Really, yeah,
0: and she didn't have a chance to give her her real name, huh? that uh, if if you give me a second, I think I could find it in the book, okay? Um, <laughs> and then,, uh, the other thing is that, you know she changed her own name to Anna Nicole. Anna Nicole.
1: She had four dogs in the book. Oh my God. <laughs> I read this part aloud to Brian.
0: I thought it was really funny. Yeah. The
1: first dog appears on the show, and the dog's name is Sugar Pie. Right. And Sugar Pie is the famous dog what? that humps furniture and is in the TV show. She has another dog named Marilyn. After Marilyn Monroe. That's a, I believe that was a silky white terrier. <laughs> I remember things about dogs. She has another dog named Puppy. Puppy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A Shih Tzu. And then she has a fourth dog. Another Shih Tzu. Without a
1: name. <laughs> how do you not name your dog? I've told, i told told, as soon as I read that, I told Brian and then I told my dog, Bebe, that it could be worse. He could not have a name that some people don't even name their dogs. Oh. He didn't care. He's just glad that he's got one. And then, I don't again, know how you don't know, name your dog. Though. I
0: don't know how you don't name your dog either, but she also didn't name her baby for three days.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's less weird than not naming your dog ever. Yes, yeah, not naming your dog ever. But there are people who, like, don't get named right away. And it'll be, like, baby girl or baby boy on their birth certificate. Yeah. I think my mom might not have had a name on her birth certificate. Really? I don't want to... For how many days? Forever. It's it's the the birth certificate. There's
0: no... To this day...
1: Well, I mean you don't get you only get one.
0: Did she make up her own name? Does it change? No. Well.
1: And I also might not be her. What? It might be I'm <laughs> it may not be my mom that I'm thinking of. It may be somebody else. But I know someone I think in my family got baby girl Elmen.
0: Baby girl Elmen? Yeah. Well.
1: They couldn't figure it out. They didn't know yet. And then my brother almost he was late too because she couldn't go. She was so indecisive. How late? I think it said it on his birth certificate, but I mean, she was like changing her mind after he was born and they were like, okay, you have to like write a name on the birth certificate. And she was like, ah, should I do this or this? Like she was still unsure. And she ended up giving him like four names. Oh my gosh. Henry Daniel, Henry Daniel Reese. Henry Daniel is like one first name. Reese is his middle name. That's cool. Like Danny Lynn.
0: Danny Lynn. Hope. Hope.
1: Like Danny Lynn Marshall. Marshall. Workhead. She's got more names than my brother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, here's the quote from the book. Can I read it to you? Yeah. Virgie, that's how we say her name. Uh-huh. Virgie? Yep. Virgie didn't that is Anna Nicole's mom. Yeah. Didn't get to name her own daughter. She told me that the woman who would become Anna Nicole Smith was supposed to be named Kathleen K. Virgie says she loved that name and had decided on it before the baby was born. When she went into labor, her husband wasn't around, so her own mother went with her to the hospital. While Virgie was asleep, her mother filled out the birth certificate. When I woke up, Virgie remembers, my mother said, I didn't name her what she's supposed to be. I named her after you. Virgie? Virgie asked. <laughs> no, no, her mother said. You know how people mess up your name and call you Vicky. I named her Vicky and I thought it should be Vicky Lynn. I like the way it sounded.
1: See, I would be so fucking pissed. That's a crazy thing to do. It's insane. It's insane. It's part
0: it's just like part of the um I don't know, inherited madness.
1: Oh, there is generational trauma in this family. Oh, my God. For sure. Like, I shudder to think what Virgie's childhood was like. Christ. I mean, and going back, I mean, I'm sure it's been bad the entire time.
0: There were some, yeah, there's some, uh, when Virgie gets going on family history stuff, it is also really sad and bleak. Yeah. Virgie,
1: Virgie's a complicated character in all of this. I tend to feel sorry for Virgie. Me too. Um, but I don't think that she's like an, an easy person to get along with.
0: No. And I bet she was a terrible mom and I and bet I she think, was mean. Yeah. And it sounds like she did not protect her daughter. And no. I, I think was awful. Probably awful.
1: Probably awful.
0: Because she didn't talk to her for, they they didn't see each other face to face for 10 years. Yeah. And there's a lot of like really ugly back and forth.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, but you, so the last interaction they had wasn't even face to face. It was through the media where Virgie went on um, like, I don't know, CNN or something and said that she thought that um, it was that I think she said she thought that Howard had given Daniel drugs.
0: Yes. And it seemed like Anna misinterpreted it that Virgie had said that she murdered her own son and she took it really hard. Really,
1: really hard. And I definitely thought that there was some level of projecting on that, on how she responded to it. Not that I think Anna, I don't think Anna murdered her son at all. I think she was like completely devastated by his death. Yes. But I think she felt incredibly guilty for and she felt responsible for his death.
0: Yeah, and I also felt that there that it was possible that like she didn't see what her mother said on television and it was like relayed back to her.
1: Yeah. I also think it's possible that she was so codependent with Howard that she thought any blame that went to him w- was also fell on her. Fell on her too, yeah.
0: That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah um sad final days
0: very freaking sad my god yeah uh another thing that i noticed like thematically in anna's life along with just like lack of names yeah is her not having a like a home and a like a a, a place to be yeah and that kind of carrying into her death i thought was Extremely sad. Yeah. Uh, also thinking about like her television show. The first episode is her trying to find a home. Yeah. It, it just—I—I I don't know if that's something that was like that's a layer on, or that I'm trying to like dip, like pull meaning out of. But
1: it was definitely yeah. The the first episode of the show was her going around trying to rent new houses. In this book, they talk about her renting this kind of big house in the Bahamas and that she didn't even really like the Bahamas. She didn't. Daniel liked,
0: didn't like the Bahamas. He did
1: not like the, he, it He was too hot for him and they and, buried him there. And when he left to get on the plane, the last thing he said to the guy that was dropping him off at the airport was don't leave me there.
0: And they fucking buried He's him buried there. there. And then so is she, that whole thing was so messed up because they also, after Daniel died, they tried to get, Plots for the two of them at the Forest Lawn Cemetery.
1: They tried to get plots at Forest Lawn and they were too expensive.
0: Well, but then they... Because they wanted to get them next to Marilyn Monroe, but...
1: Marilyn's in Westwood. So first they were trying to get her... They were trying to get her one near... But they couldn't get one next to fucking Marilyn Monroe because fucking pig uh, Hugh Hugh Hefner Hefner. had already bought it. So that's just like another wave of nausea that you have reading the book. Then... Which I guess he's buried there. He is. So then uh they came here to Forest Lawn, then Forest Lawn was too expensive, and they bought, and then I guess in the Bahamas, this is unclear, they bought four plots.
0: Yeah, it, if they had managed it better, they that would not have been too expensive. They just didn't want to do it.
1: I think Howard K. Stern, I mean, I... I think he didn't want to spend the money. And so he concocted this whole thing of like, well, let's get four because one for me and one for the baby. It's like, who the fuck buys a barrel plot for their baby?
0: That's a a lunatic who uh, deserves...
1: it's insane I think
0: that he was trying to keep her tethered to the Bahamas yeah. so that they wouldn't have to come to the. US and deal with any of the paternity I stuff. think
1: that was it too because th- also the paternity laws in the Bahamas are so lax it's and crazy. so crazy basically anybody who says who claims paternity and if the mother agrees gets paternity that's it it's it has nothing to do with anything, anything. Mm-hmm. DNA it doesn't you don't have to be married you don't have to be cohabitating you don't have to be it romantically involved. It's just, you both have to agree that that's what you want. So, and then they did this weird sham wedding and what he did was exactly what he legally had to do in the Bahamas to have paternity. Yes. Yeah. And the baby was born in the Bahamas. I mean, and I think
0: that if Daniel hadn't been buried in the Bahamas, she wouldn't have, if, if they had bought the plots in forest lawn, she would have moved back to her studio city house to be which close she had to her son. and
1: where larry was gonna live with the, baby. with the baby yeah yeah i think that was probably what would have made her the happiest i mean at that point if anything could have was just to move back to la bury her son in a burial plot in la and just like m- get move on with her life but he was keeping her there
0: uh, it's yeah, that it's that like that kind of stuff, just like a fucking snake.
1: And the thing Ugh. about it, too, was like it wasn't they weren't just living in the Bahamas. I mean, it was like a fever dream. She was completely intoxicated the entire time. Like she was on. She was so fucked up. She didn't know if she was coming or going. No. There's there are multiple accounts of her walking to rooms, asking where her son is. Telling after he's dead. after he's dead. She doesn't even remember.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: <sighs> it's really fucked up. Um, so <laughs> this, but this book had a lawsuit.
0: It did have a lawsuit.
1: Howard K. Stern sued the author.
0: Yeah. Uh, so she makes some pretty inflammatory claims towards the end of the book. She yeah. She throws her, like her biggest bombs because there an, an alliance emerges between Larry Burkhead and Howard K Stern before uh the paternity stuff has been released.
1: Yeah, and it's very strange. This is where I was saying that Howard K Stern is offering to pay um pay Larry Burkhead like a certain amount of money, let him live rent-free in the Studio City house and have custody of Danny Lynn.
0: They're like talking on the phone late into the night yeah. against the advice of their lawyers yeah. or, or uh, Larry's lawyer cuz I guess Howard is representing himself. Is he? Up until a point. Yeah. I mean, I mean in this lawsuit with the author of this book, he does have a separate lawyer, but she alleges she keeps like she's got these uh chapter cliffhangers like what does howard k stern have on larry what does he have on him right what was he hanging over his head Mm -hmm. and she claims that it's a sex tape between the two of them that anna used to watch and just like masturbate to because oh my god can you imagine anything hotter than howard
1: k stern
0: blowing blowing larry
1: burkhead oh (laughs) my god Give me a fucking lobotomy. <laughs> that is not for me. No, oh my I god, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I do think that there were a lot of weird sexual boundaries being crossed constantly in Anna Nicole's world. Yeah, it's in the clear entire on the television
0: world. show, it's like it's all through it. Her relationship with her assistant, how Howard is manipulating her, how she's performing for the cameras. Like, I don't think that. There was, I mean, you, in the way she talks to her son yeah. In like the other book, the way that she exposes her son to like sexual situations, yeah, like those boundaries didn't, she exist. doesn't have
1: them. And I mean, also we talked about, I think it was in the show where she talks about riding around in the back of her stepdad's pickup truck yes. and like getting off on it, like rubbing on the pickup truck in some weird way that like, I'm sure he was aware of.
0: Yeah, it's all it's all so blended and weird and Howard Howard seems totally asexual to me if if anything. I and it's like I, there, he seems so- to
1: get like flushed and like turned on on the show to me. Like as, like the scene <laughs> I'm thinking of the episode where they are in like a hotel in like Burbank or something for some awards show, right. even though she lives like twenty minutes away. Do you know what I'm talking? They go to like some awards show. She's they're staying in a hotel. She calls Danny on the phone, and she jokingly says something like, "We're gonna have an orgy now." And he and Kimmy stare at each other and just kind of are like, eh, like yeah. nervously laughing. And it just seemed like this thing where they both want to fuck her so bad. And they might get to, but they need to stop shooting, like, right now so that they can all, like, fuck each other. I was like, they f- they fuck.
0: I feel like Kimmy... I just feel like Howard never got there. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But I do feel like the way that his relationship with Larry Burkhead is presented and Larry Burkhead's sexuality is, like, all very homophobic.
1: I think it's homophobic, and it also is, like so crazy it's just hard to believe like it seems like something that would be in a sitcom or not a sitcom like a soap opera like this extra layer that's just I mean everybody's fucking everybody and now he's fucking this guy I mean like it's just so it's like at a level 11.
0: Yeah I see I can imagine Howard and Larry having some sort of tryst but I don't the existence of a tape is absurd to me. And Anna Nicole watching it over and over again to like get off is also absurd to me. It's I, just like there are these elements, these like really sorted.
1: Yeah. It's just to me, the relationship I just don't see unless like literally everybody who's walking into that house is just like immediately fucking any person that they see, which like maybe happened. Maybe. It just seems like why those two it just seems so like why the two guys that hate each other the most but I feel
0: like they didn't hate it like they, they the the way that she wrote about their relationship felt more intimate than that like it felt like they were friends to me
1: maybe they were maybe I maybe I read it I guess I just always think about the paternity stuff and how ugly all that got
0: it did get so ugly but i also feel like because they they were saying that even while that's going on they are um like talking to each other on the phone and stuff
1: dude i don't know maybe they maybe it's true maybe it's true i don't know i don't want him to sue me no is he free uh,
0: um i mean that Remains to be seen, but okay. So Howard Case Stern sues Rita Cosby for $60 million, like a month after the book comes out. And then two years later, cause he sues her for libel and, and all this other stuff for say like attempted, like saying that she insinuated that he did cocaine and like was a murderer. And, stuff. <laughs> uh, and the court says that he, Howard cannot sue her for the gay claims so then he turns around and sues the people who purportedly lied to Rita Cosby about his sexual relationship and this video. Hmm. And Interesting. it seems that Rita Cosby knowingly took uh, interviews with people that were untrustworthy.
1: But according to Howard K. Stern or... Well,
0: it seems like it's... Uh, something that was acknowledged. Okay. I don't have the proof in front of me, but no,
1: no, no. I don't need proof. No, I was just wondering I, if Howard Kay I mean, was the one we, saying that.
0: We're called the experts. It, it we was, are called
1: experts. Yeah, it yeah. was the article.
0: Okay, I want to know. Just uh, can can we like run through some fun facts? Yeah, quote unquote fun facts. It's not really. They're fun. also They're devastating. All horrible. Yeah. Um. Okay. They detail. They give a detailed. Account of the sex scene.
1: Which sex scene? The one between Howard and Larry. Yes, they do.
0: Okay, that's a fun fact.
1: Which is Howard is going down on Larry. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> she. Oh, it's, it's like he's already he's disgraced
0: himself <laughs> enough. Like, why are you trying to make this? Why? Are you, why is this like
1: your? <laughs>
0: this is like the hill he's gonna die on. <laughs> yeah, um, come on, you guys. It's. He, I
1: don't, and, fucking, I don't give a shit whose dick you sucked. Like, don't kill people. But it's... Well, according to the... St- who walks in? Oh, it's her best friend. And it's Daniel's godmother said that she walked in on that. And then Anna...
0: Comes in laughing. Comes in
1: laughing and she's like, oh, are you freaked out about that? We do it all the time or like something like we're all perverts and we all fuck each other. Yes. Essentially. What
0: do you think of the um, assertion that she just wanted a sperm donor to have a baby a la Antonia's line?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't... No, I mean, like, she's obviously doing everything in her power to keep the baby for herself and not to, like, co-parent with this person.
0: Do you think that if she was shining down from the clouds and she saw her baby being raised by Larry that she would be mad about it?
1: I don't. I have no idea who in her life she would have trusted enough to raise her child. I mean, apparently, what she wanted was Howard K. Stern to be the father. I mean, like everything she said was Howard K. Stern.
0: Do you think that she's in a position to make decisions for herself? Um, maybe this is a bigger question.
1: I have no idea.
0: That's dicey territory.
1: I I have I truly don't know. I mean, I think she was being manipulated. I think Howard K. Stern is an asshole. And I think that she was not like, I don't think that that was a good decision, Yeah. but that was, that's the only thing that she's ever said about it is that Howard K. Stern is the dad. She married Howard K. Stern. And I mean, whether or not we think that's in her best interest or that isn't her best interest or what she actually deep down wanted, or if she was even like aware enough of what was going on to make those decisions. We can never, we know don't these know things. Yeah.
0: And it's not for us to say. It is not. Um, okay. Larry's lawyer is a woman named Deborah Opry. Yeah. And Deborah was introduced to Larry by Rita Cosby, the author of the book.
1: Yes. Which she says in the book. She does. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: She lays it all out and she says why she recommends it and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, It is interesting to note that Deborah Opry was a lawyer for the Jackson family during Michael Jackson's child molestation trial
1: yeah apparently she had never heard of any of this and rita got her on the horn and told her everything and she was like that's explosive
0: yes that's what she said and
1: then at the end she was like larry's not the innocent guy you think he is okay deborah deborah god i hope my lawyer never says anything like that about me (laughs) on the
0: record i mean she's got no scruples no cares what she has to say you're right you're right um okay I also want to talk about what – can we can we talk about something we think is accidentally funny? Oh, yeah. Do you have –
1: Well, one of mine was – well, mine was really Larry King, the little Larry King bit yeah. that we talked about before. And when he asked Howard K. Stern, would you take a paternity test? And Howard K. Stern just said, proud father. And then Larry <laughs> King just got confused and said, what? And he was like, proud father. And then he's like, no, would you take a paternity test? And he just was like, proud father. And Larry Larry King, I think, genuinely didn't know what was going on. Like, thought that he wasn't hearing him, didn't realize he just, like, wasn't answering the question because it was so crazy.
0: (laughs) It is so crazy. It is crazy. Um, Can I tell you what mine is? Sure. Uh, It's that even though she was a spokeswoman for Trim Spa, Mm-hmm. She was loyal to Slim Fast.
1: She was always on Slim Fast. <laughs> and she had to take Slim Fast because the Trim Spa didn't, didn't work.
0: My mom drank Slim Fast. We always had the cans in the fridge. They were like smoothies. They were so They're good. so good. The chocolate so one, oh it's like God.
1: a milkshake.
0: Where can you buy that?
1: Oh my God, CVS, anywhere. What? You can get it at Target. You can? Yes, it's not with food, it's with like medicine. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the pharmacy. Does it make you slim fast? Yeah, that's the point.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. This book made me thirsty for a slim fast. In I just a way. want
1: one cold chocolate fucking one cho- shake.
0: Yes, let's buy a pack and split it
1: and okay. just like drink it for a snack. Yeah,
0: we can. We can. Yeah. That sounds so
1: good. Or one for breakfast and one for lunch and then one sensible dinner. And then a sensible dinner. dinner. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I also thought it was notable that famed forensic pathologist Cyril Wecht was in this, or Vect? Is it Vect?
0: Oh right, Wecht. I don't know. But uh, my sister Vicky did. Um, uh, she, had, did she did the yes. Jeanne. She did the Jeanne thing. He was on that. Had dinner with him.
1: He's he's a very interesting person. Yeah, he's in. I was like, was he hot? <laughs> oh my God, he's like an old. I know. I yeah. know. That's he's just like,
0: me being so. Um, oh, yeah, it was very... Okay, so... Um, He's in, like,
1: everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, he shows up in the least expected places. He really does. And in basically, like, everything I've ever read. <laughs> He's, they're always like, and then the famous pathologist, Cyril Wecht or whatever his name is, showed up.
0: Did you um, notice how... the way that... Uh, Anna's body was discussed through the course of this book. Did because I'm thinking about the chapter that was her autopsy. Okay. And the way that she describes um like this big famous voluptuous body was now bisected on a table. The yeah. famous hair was it just And like, she
1: talks about Oh, she had fake roots, and or she had blonde or brown roots, and the she had famous
0: a, blonde was a brunette. All and it's along. like, who
1: gives a fuck? Who fucking, are cares? you kidding me? And she probably wasn't. It's like no one is like a bright, bright blonde, but she's light brown. It's like the same thing. Chill out.
0: Yeah, it's I. I, I don't know. There is such an impulse with Anna Nicole to write about the size of her. You either she's either too big or they're being nostalgic about like how perfect and thin she was at a certain time in history. This is like, she ended a chapter by saying America's most buxom troubled beauty decided she was going to live in the Bahamas for the rest of her life. It's like, it just the, uh, this association between death and like how sexualized she was it It just is very strange. It just struck me as unnerving,
1: yeah. I mean, like Anna Nicole was obviously she she was I think over sexualized her entire life and yes. didn't know how else to be. I think that she was like, I think she was molested. I think she had a bad childhood. I think that it followed her until her death. I think it was just, I think it was a, a really hard life. I,
0: I think so too. I think, uh, I think it's.
1: Uh, yeah. Can I tell you one of the moments that I thought was really kind of touching, even yes. though it was bittersweet. Um, after her death, there was this really messy, ugly lawsuit uh, between, I guess, uh, what's her name? The mom. Virgie. Virgie and Howard about where what they were going to do with her body because Virgie wanted it in Texas and someone wanted, I think Larry wanted it in LA and Howard wanted it in the Bahamas or I don't know, something. They, were all, they couldn't agree on it. And finally the judge was like, okay, I've made my ruling and this is it. She's going to the Bahamas and she's going to be buried next to her son because that's what she would have wanted. And Virgie was fucking pissed. He went over and he was like, I did my best to like bring you some peace and I'm so sorry. And she was like, think about your daughter and one day your daughter isn't going to be able to – like you're not going to be able to help your daughter and now then you're going to know what I feel like or something like really cutting and crazy. But I thought that her – I thought that that decision was, like, one of the few times in the book that her actual wishes were honored. Because what else would she have wanted? I mean, what else? She would not have wanted to be buried in L.A. and her son is buried in the Bahamas. She would want to be next to him, as close to him as possible. Um, Were Daniel's wishes honored? No.
0: No, not by any stretch. Fucking poor-ass Daniel. I was out at dinner with uh, some friends... Last week, and I mentioned that we were doing this, oh. and he was like, "Oh, he's like, where's her son now? What's what's her son doing?" And I was like, "Oh no, he passed away, and he died before she did." Yeah, I, I just, I, I, yeah, I, um, oh god, fucking poor Daniel. Yeah, people don't
1: even know what's going. People don't even know that about him.
0: Thinking about Virgie and Anna's death and uh, her burial, another scene that really stuck out to me was the description of her actual literal burial where everybody, um, everybody like wrote wishes on these pink hearts
1: and put them in the ground. And that was also something she asked that people do for Daniel. Yes. That she asked for um, letters and... Um, pictures and stuff to go in the in the casket yeah with him she uh
0: there's yeah they they didn't want the mother to be there and she showed up and she uh she she showed up to the actual burial with a photo of her and Anna yeah and she threw it on top of the casket yeah and then was the la- cuz everybody was like throwing some dirt in mm-hmm. and she shoveled 51 shovels worth of yeah. soil on top of the casket and on top of this photo so no one could remove it yeah saying i took you into
1: this world yeah and i'll be the last one yeah yeah the part at the end where she's like furiously what? shoveling dirt into her daughter's grave in front of Whoa. all these people was and it wasn't um and, like, and no one is, like, feeling sorry for her in that moment. It was just a wild. People like, booed her when she came into the church. There were boos. There were boos on all sides. I mean, don't boo at a funeral. D- rule one. Yes.
0: Do not boo at a funeral. And also
1: don't give, like, a standing ovation, which they gave to Howard K. Stern. That was insane. And, the, okay, so they divided
0: up the pews like it was a wedding. yeah. And Howard somehow bribed everybody to say that they were on his side. Yeah. So... Larry also brought like his lawyer or something he brought the lawyer and he was like I just thought it would be sad if I didn't have anybody here and it's like where are your parents Larry Yeah,
1: where are Danny Lynn's grandparents where is everybody's like family friends anybody it's all they have is like lawyers and doctors and like fucking Larry King yeah and Larry (laughs) King that's it that's the cast of characters reading through the timeline at the
0: very end when they were going like minute by minute and like after they know that Anna is dead and Larry, um, Howard's making all these calls and then like yeah. it airs on the thing and then like three hours go by and then it says, um, so-and-so, uh, Larry, uh, Howard K. Stern's father calls. Oh my so goodness. it's like Howard K. Stern's dad was watching the news and yeah. saw that Anna died and then called his son. Like
1: the whole book, that's the one human thing. Yeah. I feel like it, that, that happens. happens. Well, his parents were sort of involved, uh, Howard K. Stern. I mean, his parents were here. His parents were the ones who were looking for the burial plot. That's
0: right. In L.A. That's right.
1: And his parents uh, apparently were, like, helping him launder money or something. Or, like, they were, like, funneling money. And Mm. something else. His parents were involved in an... Oh, his parents gave him money. For what? Just, like, to live off of because he didn't have a job. And she made a point of saying, like, he was 38 and his parents gave him money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think he's doing now? I truly... I did... I thought he was in jail. I guess he's not. I thought he was, too. What is he doing now? I think that that is, like, an interesting...
0: I want to know what Virgie's doing now. These are all good things for... Um, uh, another episode? Another episode. I think so, too. We are going to watch... um. The uh there there have been some films made about the life of Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah. One of them stars Will Afford. Yeah, a, and it looks like the pop beautiful. star. It mm. does. And then there's another one that was a lifetime movie. And yeah. uh I think Virginia Madsen plays Virgie. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken.
1: I'd like to watch both of those. I would too. And compare and contrast. Yeah, I mean, I would love to do a film review or two.
0: Yeah, because now we're moving into Like, this is the third act of Anna's life. Yeah. But just like babies
1: have the fourth trimester. Yeah. We have the fourth. Estate lifetime, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. That's the afterlife. The afterlife. Thank well, you yeah. It's like what happens. Yeah. Like, how do we interpret the story? How are
0: we interpreting the story? It's really interesting, also, to look at like how uh, people on Instagram kind of engage with Anna Nicole Smith. It's interesting yeah. to see her. Somebody says like um, around the time that she dies, one of these like news pundits, and it's so funny that all of these guys who were Fawning over Anna Cole Smith 12 years ago are now like actual serious political pundits. Yeah. Um, Somebody says like that she was an icon of the earliest, of the early 21st century, like around her death. And I was just thinking about her as somebody who really embodies like the middle period, that it's like the ex, like what the excess of the 80s brought, and then how how that's processed through reality television. Yeah. I feel like if she was if she lived to die today, it would be like a fentanyl overdose or yeah. like it it's I feel like she kind of set a tone
1: in a way with her career. Um yeah, I mean I think that she was like following in the footsteps of all of these sort of great sex symbols that were completely abused and tortured by us and the media. Yeah. And the public. But Um, I think
0: existing in a time before social media existed the way that it does now or before like reality television existed in a way that it does now. Yeah.
1: She was like really like out fucking being fed to the wolves because like her, maybe her predecessor is like Marilyn Monroe, who there was is, a different pack of wolves. It's a different pack of wolves. She also died young, but she had a certain level of protection just from like just from how disgustingly exploited Anna Nicole was. Yes. And then her successor well, then it was... I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but then it, it stayed bad for a little while, like the treatment of people like Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton after Anna Nicole. Brittany. Britney. Britney was... Britney is definitely a successor. Because what year was Britney's breakdown? I think... I don't... I mean, I... Th- was it... 2007? Was it when she... Was it the same year? I think that all of this stuff... It, it feels like this. this was the maelstrom of that time. They were getting abused to the point that they could not... They couldn't keep it up. They were either going to die or implode or yeah. have a breakdown. I mean, nobody really came out of that time period okay.
0: No. And gossip blog culture was so cruel. It was
1: so vicious then. It, it, it really was vicious. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like we've said, like no one would stand for that now. People don't want to hear that anymore. The way that they just like tear women down and it's so disgusting. Even
0: I mean... I mentioned it earlier, but the way that the book describes Anna, the way that it talks about her body and objectifies her, like people just cannot help but do it. And I, I'd i like to think that we've evolved past
1: that. I think we have because I think that the person who was, yes, it, the breakdown was in 2007 and the psychiatric hold was in 2008. When was she... Um, What month was it? I don't know. I am going to find out. Um, But yeah, I think that the next, like the, the successor to those people is like Kim Kardashian. Yes. Who, you know, she gets beaten up and stuff and people are not always nice when they talk about her, but... It is absolutely nothing the way that these women were treated. I mean, yeah. she's respected. Um she goes. she's seen as like a fashion icon and
0: Yeah, well she has she's like She's
1: aspirational.
0: A, yes. Her relationship with her media image is more like simpatico.
1: It's yeah, it's curated. Yeah. It's postmodern. It's very post. Yeah, I mean, like she's <laughs> self aware. She shaved her head on February sixteenth, two thousand seven.
0: <gasps> that is mere days.
1: That's after. A week. Oh Anna my! Anna Nicole
0: died on the eighth.
1: Whoa! Wow!
0: There was something. There was something, something in the air that, that night. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, all you can do is honestly laugh. It's the death laugh. I want to know about fucking Dr. Kapoor, the person who prescribed methadone to a pregnant woman. I think, like, these are the people. It's the Elvis doctor. It's the Prince doctor. It's the Michael Jackson Jackson doctor. doctor. What's that
1: doctor's name? I don't know. Nobody. He's got a... Puppy? No. (laughs) He has a name. I think he has a name that also, like, someone famous has. Uh, Mandy Moore. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Mandy Moore. Oh, my God. She's going to say us. Whatever. But that video no, of him, There's also
0: a choreographer named Mandy Moore.
1: He's named after the choreographer. Yeah. yeah. That's,
0: <laughs> that's what I <I'm> was
1: saying. <laughs> um, but like that video of him like running out of the hospital. Have you seen that? No. There's like CCTV or whatever from Cedar sinai Hospital of him like running out of like the side door of the hospital when Michael Jackson is pronounced dead because he knows that he's been giving him like all these fucked up drugs. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Nothing, nothing. But like, you get like the human body can only take so much. Yeah, and then they die. They they die. Yeah. Oh, you mean like what does he think? Is yeah, gonna, what yeah, yeah, he yeah. Think like it's like they don't give a shit. I think they're just like, oh, I hope they don't die on me because then I'll be in trouble. But then they do. And then they're like, oh, shit. And that's it. They're not thinking. They're sociopaths. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right? If you look at a person and you just see dollar signs. If you want to be around that, like if you want to facilitate that. There needs to be stronger, like, laws about that kind of stuff, I think, that it should actually be considered. Because he was convicted. Michael Jackson's doctor was convicted of homicide, but he didn't go to jail for it. Why not? Or, like, Michael, his death was officially ruled a homicide, and the person who technically would be responsible is the doctor that was prescribing him the drugs, or something like that. But, like, it didn't, it wasn't, like, murder. It was just homicide. I don't know.
0: It's so, I mean, they're drug dealers, it's like, yeah. those are the, the these are the drug dealers. These are the drug dealers. Dr. Feelgoods, You read about the uh, Edie Sedgwick doctors, too.
1: Yeah, Dr. Conrad Murray.
0: Who has that famous name?
1: Nobody. I Chad just, Michael Murray? Yeah. I don't know why I thought he had a famous name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Is there anything
1: else that we need to cover? I think this? we covered it. I mean, I don't know. Oh,
0: oh, oh. We
1: maybe have differing opinions about Judge Seidlin. No, the judge that I liked was the one who put who's ordered that Anna would be sent to the Bahamas with her son. Oh, okay. That's I mean, the one that I thought was, like, a nice judge. And he said... Um, was he the performer? Was he the...
0: Was he a performer? I think that there was a judge who was, like, constantly monologuing.
1: Yes. He may have been monologuing in this. It's entirely possible. It seemed,
0: it seemed like a... Um, I don't know, like a real Southern lawyer in a seersucker suit. Oh kinda. Jesus! Uh, I'm I, I I've bookmarked this, and I'd be happy, I'd be happy to recite. Please, if I as soon as I can find it. I really re- read a lot of this book today.
1: I I read like the whole thing today.
0: <laughs> okay. Judge Seidland often let the proceedings get off track by putting himself into the testimony. In one memorable, rather disjointed exchange with participants, he said, There's no circus here, my friend. There's no circus here. This is life. We all come with some broken suitcases, a phrase he used numerous times. (laughs) Let's face it, money is the root of all evil. Am I right? When I used to teach tennis, I used to wear white shorts and a white top. It always looked good. You look good. Instead of fighting, you should Join hands. Join hands. Because it's only in this
1: country you can join hands. He's like, Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump literally has a photo of himself wearing that exact outfit playing tennis. <laughs>
0: we don't have these kinds
1: of religious wars and all these other issues that take place around the world. Yes, we do. Yeah. This is the judge that I liked. This is, And I highlighted a quote from him from his ruling. That's okay. This is the one I liked. He, oh. Sidelin. sideland Yeah, that's who we just quoted. I like the one where he said, I have suffered for this. <laughs> <laughs> I have struggled with this. I have shed tears for your little girl. He turned to Virgie and choked up. This is not a happy moment. He said, his voice cracking. She's going to be with her son. She's going to have her son next to her.
0: I think that that is beautiful. I do think he's a drama queen.
1: He is for sure a drama queen. Um, There was another quote that I wanted to read. When she died, Howard Stern screamed, ah, Anna, without you, I'm nothing, which I made a note that said the smartest thing he's ever said. It's true. (laughs) What else did he have? Truly
0: fucking nothing.
1: Absolutely fucking nothing. Howard K. Stern only made $12,500 on the Anna Nicole Smith a year. Yes, but that was when he was saying that he didn't make, that was the only money that he made the entire time that he's working for her. Lies. He's a fucking liar. Well, on that note, thank you for listening to The Experts. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with a review of another Anna Nicole Smith related topic. Um, We are going to continue talking about Anna Nicole Smith until we feel like we are experts
0: and then we'll move the hell on to something new, which I kind of am excited for because this (laughs) is really sad. Yeah, this book in particular, it really did get me down and I was looking forward to the next thing. Definitely. Um, so, on that note, farewell. Bye. Thanks
1: for listening. Bye. See you later.
0: They wouldn't lie. They can see what's behind your eyes. We're with them this time. Trust the experts, baby. We're with them this time.